Sunday of the year at Hillview, I spoke on a passage that um, documents uh, theophany or Christophany. And what that is is a pre incarnate appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to talk to you about my favorite Christophany. So what's a Christophany? Christophany is a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. At Christmas we celebrate the incarnation when Jesus Christ appeared uh, as a human being, came in flesh. Now before Jesus Christ came in flesh on uh, which we commemorate with Christian uh, with uh, Christmas the, he, he had there are several times in scripture where he appears I want us to see the very first time and it is here in Genesis chapter 16 so what we are looking at is the very first time uh, we have a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ in the person of in this character known as the angel of the Lord. Mm. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to take you through the passage. By the way, of all the pre-incarnate appearances, this one has to be my favorite, and I hope it will be yours as well by the time we're done. So we're going to do a couple of things. I'm going to set the context, help you see what's happening here, and then we'll get into the appearance of uh, the Lord Jesus Christ as the angel of the Lord in this passage and then we'll apply it to ourselves. Ready? Alright. Genesis chapter 16. Bible reads, Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold, now the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So after Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she, have, she had conceived, take note of this, she looked with contempt on her mistress. And Sarai said to Abraham, May the wrong done to me be on you. I gave my servant to your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, she looked on me with contempt. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abraham said to Sarai, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you please. And Sarai dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. Here comes the character of interest in verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, Servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress, Sarai. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring. 
so that you cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. The word Ishmael means God hears. Verse 12. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone and everyone's hand against him, and he shall dwell over against all his kinsmen. So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, and this is the title of the message, You are a God of seeing, or you are a God who sees me. For she said, Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. Therefore the well was called Beer Lahai Roi. It lies between Kadesh and Bereth. And Hagar bore Abraham a son, and Abraham called the name of his son whom Hagar bore Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. What's going on here? We are familiar with uh, the, the character called Abraham. He is the father of the Jews and therefore one of the most popular characters in any Jewish mind, if not the most popular characters. We are in the section where the nation of Israel is really being the foundations of this great nation of Israel, the Jews who uh, have a prominent place in the Bible and in Christian history. This is where everything is being founded. This is where everything is being put together. Now, when you flip back to chapter 12, you find the core of Abraham, this character we are looking at here. And in chapter 12, God comes to Abraham, picks him out of a file of nothing particularly outstanding about this man, but God picks him out and makes a covenant with him, makes a promise to him, I will make you a great nation, this nation will end up being my people and I will be their God. They will be great. They will take over many lands and particularly this land of Canaan. Now the trouble is that Abraham at this point in chapter 12 is 75 years old. His wife is also aged, but she is also barren as well. So this promise at the age of 75 that Abraham receives, that he will be, the, a great nation will come from him, is an unlikely promise already, because he's old and his wife is barren. Now when you move forward to chapter uh, 16, where we are, in fact we are told there that Abraham, uh, sorry, Sarai could not... Uh, bear children. And actually at this point it is about 10 years later from the promise that God makes to Abraham. So Abraham is now 85, 86 years old. There is still no child. And so Sarah gets consent. She goes to Abraham and says, I cannot conceive children. Uh, we're going to end up dead and you have no one to carry your name. You Take my servant, my maid servant, who is actually their slave, as your wife. We see that in verse 3. Sarai Abraham's wife took Hagar, the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, 
as a wife. So this, what's happening here, we are really seeing a failure in Abraham and his wife to trust the Lord. What we are seeing is people who have failed to believe in the promise of God that through Sarah, Sarai here she is called, this woman who is barren, you have children and you, or at least you have a child and a great nation who come from there. It's a tough one for them to believe. Ten years have passed, they are aging, and so they decide, just take this woman, uh, take her as your wife, have a child with her so that your offspring comes through this child. This is a lack of trust in God. But anyway, Hagar uh, falls pregnant, and <coughs> here is where the story takes a turn, because having now gone from a slave in the home of Abraham and Sarai, Hagar becomes big-headed. She was once a slave, now she is the wife of the master of the home. Now she sees herself as even higher than Sarah because she has managed to give him a child where Sarah has failed. And so we see there that she begins to look upon Sarah with contempt. She begins to look upon Sarah in a dishonorable way. She begins to feel that she is better than Sarah. And Sarah complains to her husband and says, I can't have this. I can't have this woman who is a mere slave, my slave servant, now thinking that she is better than me. So Hagar basically messes up here. She takes advantage of a privileged position she's given. She thinks she's better than Sarah. What happens? is Sarah basically goes to her husband and says, look, you need to make a choice. Is it me or her? And Abraham says, do with her as you please. So Hagar is banished from the home, and she has to leave pregnant with child. As she makes her way away from there, likely uh, facing death in the wilderness as she's making her way, the angel of the Lord in verse 7 appears to her and finds her by a spring of water. I love what happens here because the angel of the Lord comes to her and actually points out to her that, Hagar, what you did was wrong. He actually tells her, go back and make things right. In his own words, he says, go back and submit to your mistress. <coughs> I love this because the angel of the Lord comes and is here to help her. She's in the wilderness, she'll probably die, and yet he doesn't just help her, he calls her to repentance. He doesn't just say, look, I'm having mercy upon you, I love you, that's why I've come to help you. He actually says, you need to go back and make things right. Mm -hmm. And this is something God does. A God who just comes and helps you with the troubles that you have, but leaves you in your sin and rebellion, does not exist. Mm. God wants you to repent. He wants you to make things right. And so this God we have, where we live in rebellion against him, we sin as much as we want, but we keep claiming blessings from him, doesn't exist. That's a God in our own mind. When God comes in, he wants repentance. He wants you to make things right. He wants you to admit that I was wrong in how I behaved. I'm sorry. Forgive me. And this is what he asks of Hagar. Hagar listens and she gets back to Sarah 
and uh, they live happily ever after. Amen. No, they do not live happily ever after. In the end, actually, Hagar is again sent off. And we see that in um, chapter 21. Because what happens now is uh, uh, Ishmael is born. They, they are together in the home. Uh, she's back home with the child. But this time, her son Ishmael, after seeing that Sarah finally has a child, this is another 15 years later, um, what happens is that Ishmael laughs, despises Isaac. So are you following what's happening here? Hagar despised Sarah because she was able to have a child for the master. And now Ishmael despises Isaac. We see that in uh, chapter 21. The Satan, the child Isaac grew and was weaned. And Abraham made a great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw that the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had born to Abraham, she saw him laughing. That's this. So Ishmael also despises Isaac, and Sarah is not having it. She, this time, uh, the Hagar and Ishmael are banished, and they are sent away. And this affects Abraham, because he's seeing his son sent off and going away. And uh, amazingly, again, the angel appears a second time, and uh, provides them water, and promises them that they'll survive, and they'll become a great nation. So this is what is happening in this little story. Let's now speak about the angel of the Lord, the appearance of this angel of the Lord. And I want to tell you why I think that this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. First of all, we know that the angel of the Lord is no mere angel because of the way he speaks in the Bible and some of the things that he does. In verse 9, Listen to what the angel of the Lord says there. Let me start from verse 7, uh, Genesis 16. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? She said, I'm fleeing from my mistress. The angel of the Lord, and I'm saying this is Jesus Christ, pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord also said to her, now listen, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Why do I say that this is not just a mere angel? It's because of the use of the word I. The angel doesn't say the Lord will do this. The Lord will multiply you. You know, the great God of heaven will, will make sure everything is well with you. The angel of the Lord says, I. I will do this. I will multiply. Where have you ever seen an angel speaking this way? I have come. I'm going to do it. I'm in charge. No. We also see it because of verse 13. So she called the name of the Lord. Lord is capital O caps. L-O-R-D. So she called the name of the Lord. That's the, the word Yahweh, the, the divine name of God. So she called the name of the Lord. She called the name of Yahweh who spoke to her. Now who spoke to her? It was the angel of the Lord. But in Sarah's mind, she's very clear. It's Yahweh who has spoken to me. 
So this angel of the Lord is no mere angel. This is God himself who appears to Peter. And I say it's the Lord Jesus Christ because of the three persons of the Godhead, it is only the Lord Jesus Christ, God the Son, who takes on another form and operates on the earth. God the Father never takes another form. God the Holy Spirit never takes another form, perhaps if you count the dove. But in terms of appearing in human likeness, in human form, or in angelic form as it is here, it is only the Lord Jesus Christ who makes these kinds of appearances. Having said all this, what lessons are there for us? Two things I want to uh, highlight for us. First of all, it's just the grace uh, of God, the graciousness of God. Here we have Hagar. She is a woman who has taken advantage of a privilege she has graciously been given. Abraham and Sarah had hundreds and hundreds of slaves. Slave men, <coughs> slave women, shepherds. She is picked of the bunch. And she is told, you are going to bear the master's son. And it gets to her head. She thinks I am now better than Sarah. She thinks I can now despise Sarah. She feels I've now taken Sarah's place. So she is she's, she's taking advantage of a privilege that she has here. Instead of staying humble, instead of, as the angel of the Lord tells her, instead of submitting to her mistress, she decides to say, I should now run the show. This is rebellion. This is uh, being foolish, really. And yet... The angel of the Lord still appears to this rebellious, sinful woman. The angel of the Lord still comes and deals with her directly, has dealings with her directly. Still comes and shows her mercy, still comes and shows her grace. Why is this remarkable? Because the angel of the Lord appears all throughout scripture in the Old Testament, especially at the beginning. He appears to Jacob, he appears to the parents of Samson, he appears to um, uh, Joshua in the form of a, a, a soldier. These are, the, these are great men of God. Abraham, great man. Jacob, great man. Uh, 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 Joshua, great man. And yet, the first appearance we ever have of the pre-incarnate Christ to a human being is to Hagar. The first person he ever chooses to appear to is not the great Abraham. It is not the great Jacob. It is not the great Joshua. It is a rebellious, sinful, slave woman. It's grace. And even in his appearance to her, as we said earlier, he comes to her and he says, submit to your mistress. But he shows her mercy. And you can see how heavy this is in how Hagar responds. Her response is what? God sees me. That's remarkable. God doesn't just see Abraham with whom he has a covenant with. God doesn't just see and attend to good people. Those who are right with him. Those he has entered covenant with him. God even appears and deals with slave women. Rebellious slave women for that matter. 
This is a gracious thing of the Lord mm. to choose Hagar as the first person to whom he appears. What we see later on is the appearance, the second appearance. Let me just read that one to you uh, in chapter 21 of Genesis. Uh, like I said, Hagar has been banished this time with her 14, 13-year-old son Ishmael. Verse 15, when the water in the skin was gone, Abraham had sent them with water in a little bottle. She put the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off, about the distance of a bow shot. For she said, let me not look on the death of the child. She thought this is it, we're dying, we're finished. And as she sat opposite him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Up, lift up the boy, and hold him fast with your hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes. And she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy. And he grew up. He lived up in the wilderness and became an expert of the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran. And his mother took a wife for him from the land of Egypt. So God not only appears to this rebellious slave woman once to save her, he appears twice. This is the grace of God, and it really foreshadows how God deals with us, a rebellious people, a sinful people. Romans tells us that while we are sinful and while we are weak, Christ died for us. While God was not in our purview, while we were not thinking about him, while we would not even be bothered enough to call out to him for help, God didn't sit there and say, I will wait for them to realize how desperate and sinful they are, and then I will come and deal with them, and then I'll come and help them. No, it is while we're weak, while we're at, our, at, the, at the end of our wits, while we're at the end of our rope, when there was nowhere else to turn, Christ died for us. While we're rebellious and sinful, Christ died for us. This is exactly what happens to Hagar. She is not even calling upon God. Mm. God is not in her purview. God is not in her mind. She, all she's thinking is we are finished here. And God comes to her and he helps her. Even the second time, what amazes me is the second time around, Hagar does not even think to call out to God. All she does is put her son on one side and sits across from her on the, or from him on the other side, and all she can do is sit down there and weep, thinking, I don't want to see my son. I don't want to watch my son as he dies. She can't think to call out to God, and even the second time he comes to her, appears to her, and helps her. This is the grace and the love of God, that when we're not thinking about him, Yes, when we are even in rebellion and sin, he comes to us. He reaches out to us. We have no capacity in and of ourselves to reach out to him, to call out to him. But he comes to us and he helps us and he saves us. 
The other thing I want us to see here is simply thinking about Abraham and Sarah, that God's timing is not our timing, that Abraham and Sarah have to wait, do you know how many years for Isaac from the time God promises? 25 years. Mm. 25 years of waiting for the promised child to arrive was a nightmare of a wait. Abraham even prays to God and says, God, we've been waiting. We've been waiting. Nothing's happened. We're aging. Time is going. Mm. And God is not doing anything. God simply says, I've promised you I shall do it. And 25 years after the promise is made, God answers. And it's an amazing answer. God's timing is not our timing. And I think of you here at Berean, and even me at Hillview, during a, a time of COVID when it's ravaging and you're thinking, Lord, what's going on? Mm. We, we are working. Mm. We are slaving. We're trying to get people in and this thing hits and even after it's hit and we are limping, we barely survived it, we're ready to carry on, you know, another message comes and says a month of lockdown. And you're thinking, God, what is going on? Well, his timing is not our time. Mm. But when we trust and we obey, he comes through. He never lets us down. He comes and delivers on his promise. We must trust him. Our role is to continue to be faithful. May we not be like Abraham and Sarah in trying a plan B when God has already told us the way we should go. We should not look for a hugger. Berean should not begin looking for a hugger and say, you know what, I think waiting is not this. Let's try and cut corners here. Let's try and do a shortcut here to get people in and to get people safe. Let's try and, no. Let's remain faithful and trust in God. But back to the one thing I want us to take away, it is that we are basically like Hagar in sin and rebellion. But the Lord comes to us. But the Lord has one demand of us. And the demand is not do better. The, the demand is not improve, pull up your socks. The demand is not stop doing those bad things. Mm. The demand is repent. And what that means is to simply go to God and say, I'm sorry. Go to God and say, I have messed up. Go to God and say, I have fallen short. Like the prodigal son, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. That is all God demands of us. And this is what he demanded of Hagar. All he demanded was get back. Don't continue running in, in your direction of rebellion and saying to hell with them, I'll make it all on my own. Get back, make things right. Confess that you sin and go and submit to your mistress. This is what God asks of us, that we get back to our creator. We get back to him and we simply say, have mercy on me, a sinner. This is how we are saved. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for the pre-incarnate appearances of your son Jesus Christ and the lessons that are there for us. We look at Hagar, this woman who sinned against her mistress, who after being given a privileged position, 
took advantage. After being raised up from somewhere that was low, began to look down on one others who were low. And yet we see your grace to her, that you do not treat her as her sins deserve. But the angel of the Lord appears to her and shows her mercy. We thank you that the angel of the Lord in these New Testament times, now the Lord Jesus Christ continues to come and beckon us to turn to you in repentance and in faith through the work that he did. Thank you that you are a God of mercy and a God of grace to all the Hagars, each and every one of us who are running around in rebellion. We pray that like Hagar, we might submit to our master, that we might go to him asking for forgiveness, asking for cleansing, admitting that we have fallen short and that we have rebelled, that through your son we might receive grace and mercy through what he did for us on Calvary. These things we ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <coughs>